Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday. Sangai and QT with you as usual. Some show notes if you're looking for some pro wrestling in the next few days. WCWO at the Outlaw Arena tonight in Indianapolis as usual. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. Big Time Wrestling in Huntington, West Virginia. MWW in Arlington, Washington. That show was sold out, so if you're going to check that out, make sure they have some tickets that have opened up for you. OWA in Columbus, Ohio. Tomorrow night, Woo America in Vaughn, Washington at the Civic Center. That is where you can find myself. SAPW in Post Falls, Idaho. New Era Wrestling making its return from the pandemic in Shelbyville, Indiana. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. IWA Mid-South in Jeffersonville, Indiana at the arena. ICS in Dunbar, West Virginia. APW in North College Hill, Ohio. SWE has a Convention in Irving, Texas, AACW in Kokomo, Indiana, IPW in Eaton, Indiana, and MAW in Vermilion, Ohio tomorrow. Also of note, uh, if you're looking for the IWA Mid-South show in Connersville, Indiana tonight, it has been canceled. Uh, They had a snafu very, very late in the game, had to cancel the show. So if you were planning to go out there, there is no IWA Mid-South tonight at Connersville. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show today, Tim Horner, Jr. Thank you so much for being on with us. Welcome aboard. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, since it is your first time with this, I'm going to start you out with the First-timer question, what led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Sure. Um, so, obviously, growing up as a kid, uh, I was a big, big, big wrestling fan. Uh, when it was cool, when it wasn't cool, when it was cool again. Um, you know, I, I was young enough to kind of remember the uh, Hogan-Andre-type era back then in the early 90s. And then I was also uh, just heading into high school when the Attitude Era was hitting its uh, big stride and basically a big fan and a uh, big enough fan to, to get tickets to WrestleMania 23 when it was in Detroit, which is in my neck of the woods, being from Ohio, uh, went up there. And then the following weekend, I loved it. Following weekend, I got some tickets to an independent wrestling show uh, for a place called Metro Pro Wrestling, went up there and I said, man, I could wrestle in front of 80,000 or I could wrestle in front of the 80 people that are here today and I'll be a happy person. So that's what led me to go try to find some training 
at that show, actually, Truth Martini had flyers on the chairs. Uh, Truth is one of the greatest trainers of all time. So I was very fortunate because if you've ever been in professional wrestling, there's a lot of guys that will take your money but not train you very well. So I was very fortunate to find good training at an affordable price at that time. And, uh, yeah, the rest is that's how I, that's how I got started. Now, obviously, in professional wrestling, the name Tim Horner uh, means something. He's uh, someone that was a big star in the 80s through around the mid-90s, was in WWE for a brief time, WCW, Mid-South, lots of different areas. Can you tell us the connection yourself and Tim Horner, if there actually is one? Yes, yeah, there is actually quite a, yeah, it's a fun one. So when I was first breaking into the business, doing a lot of uh, matches, uh, it's more of an enhancement guy type thing. I was in, I had a show in XICW, which is a pretty popular promotion in the uh, Detroit area, ran by Malcolm Monroe uh, II, and his dad was a, uh, you know, a longtime promoter in the area as well, and, and wrestler for that matter. Um, so anyways, I was in, in a match with uh, who, who eventually became Congo Kong. Uh, and it, it was like a scramble match, and I was one of the guys that got squashed. And they actually were looking for the results, and they wanted to know who, I, who was in the match for an online results. And it got to the point where they couldn't remember my name. I was going to be called Timothy Studman. My shoot name is so uh, I was going to be Timothy Studman. I thought I was going to have this great gimmick, all this stuff. And uh, so they couldn't remember. They only remembered my first name. In the previous weekend, um, the guy that was writing up the results was on a show with Tim Horner. And so they said, well, we'll call him Tim Horner Jr., kind of as a rib, but yet at the same time got it out there. And so then the following week, I went to training, uh, getting ready for another show. And the train, you know, they were, I was hell-bent that I really didn't want to be Tim Horner Jr. And, like, they sh- you should do this. You should do this. Martin Truth Martini was telling me, you should do this. And I was like, I don't know. So the next weekend, I thought I was going to go out, hit the curtain as Tim Horner, or I'm sorry, as Timothy Studman, and they announced me as Tim Horner Jr. So at that point, I was like, shit, well, I thought this is going to be a rib. They're never going to let me live it down. So I may as well just go with it. So that following weekend, I, after I got home, I had heard of Tim Horner. I'm not. I'm not acting like I didn't know who he was. Or, but you know, I mean, it, it wasn't somebody when I was growing up that I, you know, researched or anything like that. I had known, you know, from his uh, Smoky Mountain days and stuff like that, and some of his early WCW stuff, uh, especially with like the Road Warriors and whatnot. I had seen that stuff, but it never really clicked to me. So I went home and did a lot of research on him. Pulled up any old YouTube videos. At that time, YouTube was still fairly new. There was no WWE network that you could search them on. Um, I actually, at that point in time, had a very large library. I'm definitely kind of a nerd about wrestling, and I used to, and I really liked the uh, studying of the art form of professional wrestling. So, uh, with that being said, I went home, studied it all up, learned how to do the O'Connor, the bridging O'Connor roll, learned how to do some of his trademark stuff, and then went to training and said, hey, i got to learn how to do this stuff. So the name stuck from there. Uh, where it, it took a few turns, twists and turns, where eventually people started to think that I was really a kid, uh, which is not true. However, um, later on, I think it was about 2013, I had a tryout with the WWE down in Tampa, 
Before it was NXT, it was called FCW. It was a Florida Championship Wrestling tryout. Well, I went down there, and um, Tom Pritchard was down there, and he saw that my name was Tim Horner Jr., and he goes, you're definitely not his kid because they know each other from years past. I said, no, I'm not his kid. He goes, does he even know that you exist? I said, I don't know. I don't really have a contact with him. So he had given me his phone number that night. This was on day one of three of the tryouts. So I called him that night, and he was pretty well pickled pink about the whole situation. He had actually heard of me through the grapevine because his, he had two daughters who had uh, kind of Wikipedia'd him at the time. And in his Wikipedia profile, somebody added that he has a, rest, a son wrestling in the Midwest throughout the, throughout the Michigan area, uh, Michigan and Ohio area. And, uh, and so they kind of wondered if that was really his son. And uh, he had to say, no, he's not my son and all this stuff. So they were glad to find out that their dad didn't have an illegitimate son. But I was kind of happy to hear that, you know, Tim Horner actually knew who I was before uh, ever getting in contact with him. Since then, I've been in pretty, pretty good contact. We communicate, uh, I don't know, uh, once every couple of months, just to ask how each other's doing and things like that. Uh, great guy. Loves the fact that I use the name. Uh, has been nothing but respectful and uh, appreciative, and it's opened a lot of doors. Uh, obviously, I'm very upfront and say that it's, I'm not Tim Horner's kid, but it gets them looking at my stuff. And uh, and I think you know I'm a, I've been trained properly. Uh, I've worked pretty hard to get good at this. So if I can get people to look at it, I can get my foot in the door and do the, and take care of the rest. So it's been extremely helpful in my career. One of the things that a lot of people, when they get into wrestling, eventually gravitate towards at some point is the promoting in a lot of wrestlers, whether they consciously decided at the start or decide part of the way through their career that they want to try it uh, and get into that realm of it, is promoting wrestling something that you've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about and or doing in your career so far? So um, I actually run uh, a promotion now in my home, in my town that I'm living in. I've been here for, I call it my hometown. I was technically born in Toledo, Ohio, but now I live in a town called Fremont, Ohio. Um, for the last four, coming up on five years in September, we've been running shows. Uh, we run 10 shows a year, uh, second Saturday of every month. So promoting, yes. Uh, it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, throughout the Ohio and Michigan area, there's some good promoters and there's some bad promoters. And uh, the biggest thing was that, that that sometimes they're not always that professional or some shows have really good storylines, some shows have really good production, some shows are a little bit everything. So I myself wanted to always, you know, I, I take bits and pieces from each one and try to learn from it. And uh, I decided, yeah, I wanted to promote shows a lot of that kind of fell in my lap. Uh, my wife, her father-in-law, or well, my, my father-in-law, her father, my, um, my father-in-law, he actually owns a theater. It's a beautiful theater. Um, it, we, can, we fit the 16 by 16 ring in there. We run the second Saturday uh, of every month with the exception of our big show, which is actually next Saturday. Fight for Fremont is the name of the show. Um, that one we usually run in the middle of, you know, late end of June. But every second Saturday, uh, we get about, you know, modest 150 to 200 people in that theater. But the theater is not that big. 
So 200 people feels like 2,000 people because you guys, I'm sure, know sometimes when you get into these big venues, uh, you might have 500 people, but the seat, but the venue holds 2,000, so it looks like, you know, there's not as many people in there. You get 50 people in this room, and it looks like it's, it's a full house. So when you get 200, it looks like we're hanging from the rafters in there. Um, but we run shows. Uh, the big thing, it's a theater. My father-in-law is an audio engineer, so he can help a lot with the production end of it. Uh, we do a great job, not only pr- production, but we use a lot of great talent. And uh, it, it's a good little promotion, yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in the last four years. I'm sure you guys know a lot of promotions start up, and then they tend to shut down after a couple of shows. To be able to get four years in feels pretty good coming up on five. So, Not bad at all, for sure, in this business. Now, one of the things that a lot of people have in wrestling – is a favorite venue. Uh, you talked about some of the venues uh, just a moment ago, but is there a favorite venue that you have most enjoyed performing in for whatever reason, being it the aesthetics or just the uh, atmosphere in the building or just the convenience of getting in and out of it? But do you have yeah. a very favorite one? Well, obviously, the venue we uh, I just talked about, the Strand, it's called the Strand Theater. It's downtown Fremont. That's a great venue. That's my that's my favorite for, for the reasons I just suggested. However, a um, few different places that I really liked working at, uh, some of the, you know, some of the cool ones were um, there's a place in Buffalo called Riverworks. Uh, they have a excellent setup. It's kind of like a big uh outdoor ice skating rink type thing and they have a bunch of other stuff they actually do roller derby there lots of crazy it's a big sports complex that's a great venue but they also have a bar which always makes things good for me i just i mean i really like if it's got a high enough ceiling to where it looks like you're going to hit your head on the ceiling if you're on the top rope uh i like it where it's where it's tighter quarters i don't really like old you know, a lot of guys run at skating rinks. A lot of guys run at uh, gymnasiums or athletic centers. But if you don't fill the thing fully, I'd rather have a smaller venue with more than more people that need to be in there than a big venue with, you know, twice as many people, but it doesn't feel like it. So I like Tiger Quarters. There's another bar that we used to run at. I can't remember the name of it. It's a saloon up in uh, the Jackson, Michigan area. Boy, that was a good spot. The, the the way the building was set up, it was like a pit that had the concert feel. So everybody was almost like you were bowled around you. Uh, felt like stadium seating in a small venue like that. Those are always the best. So um, so as far as venues, yeah, that that would probably be my favorites if I had to guess. I know you have done outdoor shows before in your career. I think as we continue to see more and more promotions open, we're going to see even more outdoor shows than usual this season just because things are still getting back to normal and regulations are still in place in a lot of areas. Do you have any personal feelings on outdoor shows and how they might present different sets of problems than the traditional indoor venues? I mean, 
you can do an you know obviously growing growing up in the business in the sense of seeing uh outdoor shows being you know kind of back you know to use the term backyard shows um that you know is one thing uh people setting up a ring in their backyard and having a show and having people show up that to me is still you know backyard wrestling however um you can do a show in an open area and have it or at a festival or at a fair or something like that and it work out fine um and the the challenges that it arise i mean i've wrestled in some outdoor shows uh where they had canvases that were like uh vinyl canvas and it's in their black vinyl canvas and boy you don't want to bump on that because your back starts to feel like it's because the sun's beating on it all day you feel like you're a piece, you're you're an egg, and you're 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 burning and boiling, and uh, that makes it very challenging. But I think I don't mind an outdoor show. I mean, there's something about being outside and seeing that open and feeling that open air, and it doesn't smell like the camp, you know, it doesn't smell like a bunch of people sweating on top of each other. That's kind of nice. Uh, there is more of an open feel to it. But no, I have no issues with it. I just you know, in the end of the day, if it's just some kids setting up a ring in their backyard saying, oh, I'm running a show, I'm not as big on that as I am, you know, a fair sponsored show or something along those lines. Understood. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT is standing by, and I know QT has questions as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him. Excellent. QT, you with us? Paging QT. I guess he stepped out. Okay. Well, I will continue on then. Now, one of the things that a lot of wrestlers I have noticed over the years tend to acquire is they will have very specific rituals when it comes to their wrist tape. A lot of people either apply it the same way every time or they will uh, write a message on the tape. But I've seen a wide variety of rituals when it comes to wrist tape. Do you personally have any type of ritual when it comes to your wrist tape? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, funny story. So I do, I do only tape one wrist. I tape uh, my right wrist up because I wear one of those, Shooter bands, I guess, but you you know, and I'm not I'm not talking as in a shooter in wrestling. I'm talking about an actual basketball, one of those full length arm bands on my left arm. Um, so the left arm, real quick. When I started doing that, I was a big fan of Allen Iverson growing up. I uh, loved Allen Iverson to death, and he wore that thing first. When I was playing high school intramural basketball. I used to actually cut a uh, a knee-high sock to wear because they didn't actually make those things for people to buy. Allen Iverson was, you know, rare. So as it got older and you could buy those things, when I started wrestling, it was a natural thing. And when I started wearing it, and I'm not trying to be that old veteran guy that says, oh, when I started it, I started a trend. But when I started wearing it, nobody else was really wearing it. Now they're very popular to wear, which is okay. And I'm not saying I'm the one that started the trend. I think it just is a cool look. But as far as wrists are concerned, the good part of this is I used to just try to conserve tape because obviously when you're on the road, if you're using a lot of tape, uh, it's best to do your best to, uh, you know, not use as much. So, And I didn't really use it for uh, wrist support. But as the years have gone on, 
uh, you know, in doing a lot of drop kicks, and I do a missile drop kick. So when you do a missile drop kick, it's very easy to almost try to brace yourself naturally uh, on your wrist. And I started to hurt my wrist a little bit, but then I started to actually use the wrist tape, you know, how it's supposed to be, real tight and real firm on there. And I, I, it's actually helped me in my with my wrist. And as far as names and whatnot, a few weeks back, uh, we did a show, and um, here's a name for you, uh, the Sheik, the original Sheik, Ed Farhat. Uh, I used to work a lot for his kids when they had a promotion going. And uh, they're, they're, they've unfortunately both passed within the last year. And uh, now that's all that's left is the uh, daughter, or I guess daughter-in-law of the Sheik, and she came to the show, and I had wrote their names on the wrist tape. But I'm a big fan of paying homage to people, and especially when they pass. So if there's anybody, you know, in any time, I usually will write somebody's name on my wrist. Um, and I usually use black tape, so it's usually in a silver marker or something like that. Big fan of that kind of stuff. But that's probably the best ritual. I have several other rituals, but they're not uh, wrist tape rituals that I do before I get into a ring. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, obviously, you promote shows, so you will sometimes look at things in a different way than what your standard wrestler would be. When you go to other people's shows to work, do you normally have on the promoter's hat as well and you're evaluating the talent you see on these shows, or do you strictly wear the wrestler's hat on other people's shows and kind of maybe take a mental note, but you aren't necessarily planning your own show with some of these talents? No, yeah, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I definitely, nowadays, more than ever, I recruit at these shows, at shows that I work on as a worker. Um, so I kind of, it's really weird. So when I go, I feel like I, I almost have to be, all, even if I know the guys and everything, I almost feel like I have to be the new guy in the room sometimes because gaining credibility as a worker has, has gotten easier over the years for me once you see it. But gaining credibility as a promoter is two different things. So if I can use being professional as a worker to gain other guys' ideas and get them to say, oh, wow, I didn't know about him, but, hey, he does a good job as a worker, I might take a chance on his show. You know, so I definitely use um, going to other shows as definitely a recruiting tactic for me more than anything to try to get guys to maybe want to work on our shows to see guys, to see, you know, because you can watch 100 highlight reels. You can watch all those different things, but you can't see if they can actually connect with a crowd uh, through those things. So seeing if guys are connecting, I do a lot of that. I watch a lot of show previous before promoting because uh, I mean, obviously I've been wrestling for 13 years and only been promoting for four Previous before that, I didn't watch a lot of shows because I was usually very into um, getting, you know, making sure I knew what I was doing out there and all those different things. So uh, I didn't always watch shows. Now I do a lot more watching of the show, uh, you know, and I also watch how people communicate backstage. Uh, are they respectful of the promoter? Are, are they respectful? But the biggest thing as far as now with promoter hat versus worker hat, when something goes wrong with the promoter, uh, maybe somebody cancels or something changes. Now having four plus years of promoting under my belt, I'm very understanding of what the promoter has going on. 
and I know I definitely was not that way before I started promoting. I used to think, my God, promoter, why does he do this? Why does he have to do this? Because, and, and the other thing is, you know, is as a promoter, you get a lot of suggestions from guys. But the suggestions are always one-sided. So, meaning it, it, would be, it would be good for them or it might be good for them and the person they're working with. But what they don't always understand is that it's such a cog in the wheel. Like they are in now I've realized that I'm just a cog in the wheel of the whole show. And it's really uh, opened my mind to try to understand what's really going on as we're putting on a whole show. And if you get a bunch of individuals that just want to do what they're doing, it's not going to help the whole. So I guess in a long way, I hope that kind of answers the question. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I believe QT is back with us. So, QT, if you have some questions, go right ahead. Well, thank you, sign guy. Hello, Mr. Horner. How are you, sir? I didn't bore you to death, did I, earlier? No, I'm not sure what happened. I think we may have had a power surge here, you know, in the um, uh, apartment. Uh, I think the heat is starting to act up, and there's been a little bit of power outages or flickers here. Yes. Okay. But no, no, you didn't bore me at all. (laughs) But uh, Mr. Horner, I saw your YouTube video entitled LPW Big Bear Benjamin Boone versus Tim Horner Jr. My first question is, it looks like this match took place on November 11th, 2017, there or about. That would make it right around three years, seven months ago. Does it seem that long ago? Gosh, it does. Uh, no. I, I, Benjamin Boone and I have worked for probably at least 100 times together, at least 100 times together. So in some ways, We've been doing it for, gosh, probably at least 10 years together, you know, doing the same song and dance. Oh, gosh. So three years. But that match in particular that I'm sure you're watching was the original LPW championship match. That was uh, that seems like yesterday. Uh, so it was a great match. We had a lot of great build to that match. It was the start of our promotion at that time. Uh, so that was our crowning, you know, of the championship. Uh, but it's weird because I've always been Tim Horner Jr., but Big Bear Benjamin Boone is now The Bachelor. He's done a lot of different things. He's done a lot of different characters since then. So uh, that's the part that does seem like forever ago because it does seem like a long time ago since he's been Big Bear Benjamin Boone. Oh, and, and now he's known as The Bachelor? Yes, he is known as The Bachelor. He's a dear friend of mine. So um, he does a deal where now he hands out roses and he wears kind of a tuxedo Andre the Giant style singlet, beautiful look. And um, yeah, we've worked all over the place. But we at our LPW shows, Live Pro Wrestling, which is the one that I run out of Fremont, um, we have what is kind of like a uh, a set type thing. It's called the Bachelor Pad, and he does interviews there. Uh, does some of the, you know, we do a lot of vignettes with that kind of stuff for him. Uh, pretty cool stuff. But, yeah, he does a full-blown Bachelor, like the ABC show Bachelor. Uh, he does a whole gimmick around that. Does, if you see him in the ring giving out roses to uh, women, 
Does he remind you of Quagmire on the Family Guy that slips roofies to his dates? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to put it past Boone. No, he's not going to slip roofie. But, uh, yeah, uh, he definitely he has a lot of comparisons to a lot of things. I don't know if I would have gone with the Quagmire from Family Guy, but uh, he, he's he's a character. That is for sure. And, uh, uh, he you know, he's still a bachelor for a reason. We just haven't figured it out yet. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, in this match with Benjamin Boone, the walls of this venue were kind of like an eggshell white with yellow and red rectangles. It reminds me of the Partridge family bus. My question is, were you a big fan of the Partridge family? I did not. No, I've never really watched the Partridge family. Uh, My mom, I can say, was more a fan of the Brady, the Brady family. So uh, I could say that. And families that I like. Let me tell you some families that I like. I like uh, the family from Modern Family. I like that family. I'm also a big fan of the Bluth family from Arrested Development. And I'm all in the Sopranos. I like those families. That answer? Is that a good enough answer? Oh, okay. Yes, that's satisfactory. Very good. Okay. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's very good. Um, now, this match took place about two weeks before Thanksgiving 2017. What was the name of the venue with the Partridge Family bus-type walls? Can you remember the name of it? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's my father-in-law's theater. That's the Strand Theater in Fremont, Ohio. Uh, it, those, those, those panels on the wall are actually sound to help trap the sound in. So they're they're definitely not just decor. They're more for the actual ambiance of the sound of the venue. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, Mr. Horner, we have a heat wave that's gripping much of the nation. My question is, why hasn't there why hasn't there ever been a wrestler named Heat Wave? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, their heat wave. I feel like ECW had a heat wave show. And then I also know growing up as a kid, I had many different wrestlers that I wrestled as when I wrestled my little brother. And one of them was TJ Heat because my first name is Tim. My middle initial is J for John. And Heat was my thing. And I in my head, I wore trunks that kind of probably looked like Harlem Heat trunks. And there's another heat for you in Sunday night heat. Okay. All right. You're heat. You're right. The Harlem heat. I'm heating up right now. I'm heating up. (laughs) All right. Were were you a big fan of the wrestler known as Disco Inferno? I I do like some disco. I do like some disco. I always liked them. Uh, One of my favorite parts about them, obviously, was the dance. And I always liked that even after he lost the match, he still danced his way out. Yes. Yes, he was a very good dancer in much the same way as Rikishi Fatu when he danced in the yeah. ring. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Mr. Horner, have you yourself ever used the song Heat Wave by Martha and the Vandells as your entrance music? I have not. I have used a ton of songs uh, as entrance music, a ton of different songs. I like to change my entrance music very often, uh, but never use that one. But I'm actually going to add that to the Spotify because I don't even know if I know. A heat wave. Wait. She acting like a heat wave. 
That there you go. Jump yeah. in the sky. Am I getting there? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I actually know a remix to that by a guy from Detroit, Michigan, named Mike Posner. He uses that as a remix at one point in time. He sampled that. Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, we uh, Sign Guy and myself would uh, really like to see uh, a YouTube video of when you use uh, Heat Wave by Martha and the Vandells. We'll be looking forward to that. Yes. I just might tomorrow night. I just might tomorrow night just for you guys. What was the, what was her name again? Martha? Martha and the Vandells. I think it's Martha, Martha. Reed and the Vandells. Yes. If it, I, I will make it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Martha oh, Reed. Martha yes, Reed. I'll get you guys a video of it. Martha oh, Reed okay. and the Vandells. You got it. You got it. Oh, okay. Can you awesome. can you tell me some of the other me- entrance music that you use? Uh, I've used uh, I've used some Kanye West power over the years. I've used Macklemore's uh, uh, Can't Hold Us. Currently, I'm using a band that I really like. Uh, I, it's called uh, the band is highly suspect. The name of the song is actually called Bath Salts, which is not really about bath salts. Um, I've used some Rage Against the Machine. I've used a lot of generic stuff. I, I honestly just enjoy a lot of the times, especially with a new crowd just trying something different uh, that doesn't know me and seeing if something could stick. But I, gosh, over the years, I've used countless songs. I I mean, the longest one I probably used was the uh, Macklemore Can't Hold Us. That seems to work, especially when you're getting in front of new people that don't know who you are. At least it's a upbeat song. So, Have you ever used the song Superstar by Karen Carpenter that was featured in the movie Tommy Boy with David Spade and Chris Farley? I, no, I have not used that one, but uh, super. I don't know how that one even goes. Well, they were going down the road, and they were. Uh, you remember the scene where they were uh, searching for a good song on the radio station, and that song came on that sounded like long ago and so far away. Okay. I said, I that, yes. I do remember the song. And uh, so Tommy Boy uh, takes place in Sandusky, Ohio. I know you guys are out in the Washington area. So Tommy Boy takes place in Sandusky, Ohio, which is about a 30-minute drive from us. So in our area, it's a, it's a special uh, connection to a lot of us. And Callahan oh, okay. Motors does not exist. It's not a real thing. <laughs> Tommy Callahan, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, for your um, homework assignment, turnbuckle turmoil homework assignment, you might go back and look at that uh, and listen to that song Superstar by Karen Carpenter on the movie Tommy Boy. Got it. Oh, okay. Very good. Along with Martha Reeves and the Vandells. Yes. I'm already on that one. I'm already on. Is Karen with a C or a K? Uh, K. Karen Carpenter. K. All right, Karen Carpenter. You got okay. it. I'm working on it. Thank oh, you. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Tim, in that wrestling match, LPW Big Bear Benjamin Boone video, at the six minute and fifteen second mark of the match, Benjamin Boone gave you a headbutt that put you down on the mat, but it seemed to stun him as well. My question is, 
Were you a big fan of Jimmy Snuka and George the Animal Steel, two wrestlers who get, who could give headbutts with impunity? Yeah, I, I love both Jimmy Snuka and uh, George the Animal Steel. In fact, if you look around uh, after Jimmy Snuka passed, I was actually wrestling Big Bear Benjamin Boone when that happened, and we did a kind of a tribute spot to Jimmy Snuka. But George the Animal Steel, another guy from my general area, uh, he's out of the Detroit area. Um, at one point in time, when I was growing up, this was a cool thing for me, but the girl that was my babysitter was very uh, close friends with the family of Georgie Animal Steels. I'm not sure what their – I don't think Steel is their last name, but uh, very close friends with them. And, you know, at that point, it's not like she could pull it up on Facebook, but she had several photographs that she had in a photo album that she showed me, and I thought that that was a – she was the coolest person in the world because of it. Wow. Very nice. Very good. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Horner, have you seen any lady wrestlers who could give headbutts without consequences? Uh, the one that comes to mind instantaneously is Queen Amanata. She is out of the Columbus area, but she's not from the States at all. She That's how I know her. But no doubt in my mind, she is a hard-headed woman, to quote Cat Stevens. Ooh, boy, I'd hate to be head-butted by her. Ooh, okay. Wow. Boy. Okay. Jeez. All right. Well, Mr. Tim, at the 11 minute and 24 second mark of the match, the referee seemed to be helping Benjamin Boone to his feet, and at the 11.29 mark, it seemed like he pushed the referee into you as he rolled out of the ring. You then got into a heated conversation with the referee, and you can hear him saying, I'm the referee. And then you said, you just ran into me. Meanwhile, Big Bear Benjamin returned to the ring with, a, with this LPW belt and took a swing at you with it, but you ducked and an airborne Benjamin Boone struck the referee with a belt. You then pinned Benjamin for about a five-second count, but the referee was out cold on his back. Can we have your thoughts on this unsuccessful five-count? I think it's malarkey. Uh, You know, Ben Boone is typical Ben Boone, especially the bear Ben Boone typical stuff that he would try to pull on me. Uh, you know, obviously I probably should have won that match, but unfortunately rules are the rules. And uh, I, I wish I could take those moments back, but unfortunately at that point in time, Ben Boone was still the better man. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Benjamin Boone shoved the referee at the 13 minute and 22nd mark into the turnbuckles after a perceived two-and-a-half count on you. The ref then tried to take a swing at Benjamin, but he ducked, and his right forearm hit your jaw and put you down at the 13-minute and 26-second mark. Benjamin then tried to pin you, and the referee got to the two-and-a-half-second mark. But out of nowhere, another wrestler rushed in and grabbed this referee by the belt pulled him out of the ring, 
punched him with three left hands, and then ran him headfirst into the steel ring post. Did you ever find out who this wrestler was that pulled the referee out of the ring? Gosh, I, I'm sure I did, but I can't remember who that was right now. Um, and I'm sure I had words with him afterwards. I can say that, but I can't remember who this other wrestler was. I'd have to watch the match again. Oh, okay. All right. When you find out, you can report to Sign Guy about this. He was a rather stumpy individual with curly black hair. What did he look like? He was kind of a stocky uh, person with big uh, shoulders, thick shoulders, and curly black hair in like an Afro style. I wonder if it was Rick Baker. That Uh son of a gun. It was Rick Baker. Oh, okay. All right. Well, after this uh, wrestler rammed the original referee into the ring post, and they kind of exited, a mystery referee entered the ring, and it, but he was dressed in civilian clothes, and he had the zebra stripes underneath it, and he, and, uh, that it, he gave you the win. Uh, do you remember who this referee was in street clothes? What did this person look like? What is it, you know, I, want, I want clear definitions because I can't remember right now. Now, I'm about this to go guy look. was about six foot one, and he was all dressed in street clothes, yet he had kind of like a more wiry build, more wiry okay. build. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to guess that that was probably, holy cow. God, you're, you're really testing me today. I appreciate that you did your research. Now i got to remember what I'm doing here. Um, I have to guess that that was Probably, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm about to look, though. The second oh, referee you're yes. talking about? Oh. Yes. Hang on. Hang on. The, the first what referee. What moment was this at in the match? The, oh, this was toward the end. Toward the end of the okay, match. So like I got the TV. second ref. Yes. Yes. Uh, so the second ref that came down that was a mystery referee was none other than Brandon Edwards. Brandon Edwards is who that met, that referee was. Wow. Okay. Brandon Edwards. Okay. Hmm. Have you ever wrestled him before? No. He actually just had a baby yesterday, though. So, yeah. Uh, he was talented. He's retired now. He's, he's retired. I think he's doing a lot of wedding DJ gigs. Oh, okay. Well, wedding wedding, and wedding gigs and ceremonies can be like a wrestling event, yes. Yes, 100% right. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Well, Mr. Horner, we play a game on Turnbuckle Turmoil, Turmoil called Bring on the Choice, Bring on the Funk, and you have to make a choice between two subject matters in much the same way as if you were on a psychiatrist's couch. Bearing in mind that there are no right or wrong choices, are you ready to play Bring on the Choice, Bring on the Funk that was formerly known as Fast Answers, Slow Questions? 100%. Oh, okay. All right. 
First one, Bush's black beans or King Oscar's sardines? Bush's black beans. Okay. All right. Leaping Lanny Poffo or Jumpin' Jim Bronzel? Had a good couple meals with Leaping Lanny Poffo. Okay, I'm going to check Leap and Lanny. Okay, very good. Uh, Quaker Instant Oats or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Totally going to hit me with a Reese's Peanut Butter Cups every day of the week. All right. Tris Stratus or Lita? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I I love Lita. Just give me Lita. My wife's hair is red. My brother thinks that I'm married to her because of her red hair because I loved Lita growing up. Lita, for sure. Wow, okay. All right. Mae Young or Luna Bashan? Luna, for sure. Bam Bam Bigelow, one of my all-time favorites. Obviously, she was a manager of his for a long time. That, those two are a great pair. Oh, okay. Lilani Kai or Gail Kim? Gail Kim. Gail Kim, both talented, though. Okay. 1969 Ford Mustang or 1965 Chevy Corvette? Uh, Ford Mustang. I'll take, the, I'll take the Mustang. Okay, Mustang. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov or Professor Tanaka and Mr. Fuji? Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov for sure. Okay, all right. The Von Erichs or Billy and Chuck? Oh, the Von Erichs, 100%. 100%. Okay. Snickers or Three Musketeer? Uh, are they frozen or are they regular? I'm going to say frozen for the Snickers, refrigerated for Three Musketeer. All right, well, they're frozen still with the Snickers. Okay, frozen Snickers. Okay. The 1960s Rock'em Sock'em Robots or Slinky? Mm, uh, everyone loves the Slinky. Oh, okay. Okay. Led Zeppelin or Grand Funk Railroad? Grand Funk, for sure. For sure, Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, okay. Grand Funk, okay. Yes, he was from the, uh, your area, wasn't he? The lead singer. Yeah, general area, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, with, they're, they're from Detroit, so yes, very much so. Anything from Detroit, we still claim in, in our, my area, so yes. Wow, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Horner, I also saw your YouTube video entitled Zachary Pittman versus Tim Horner Jr., Grand okay. River Championship, PWH Emergence, and this yeah. took place in a fall setting where the hardwood trees had their leaves turning color, and they stood next to some softwood trees that were still green. Your opponent, Mr. Pittman, entered the ring with a black vest in much the same fashion sense that was sometimes worn by Stone Cold Steve Austin. But what really caught my eye with Mr. Pittman was the blue scarf that he wore bandit-like around his neck and his upper chest. If he took the scarf off and rolled it up and put it around his upper head to cover his forehead with that color of scarf, 
he could have been mistaken for a junior crip gang member uh, wearing a blue do-rag. My question is, the announcer said you were from the Northwest Ohio area. Have you yourself come across any other wrestlers that had a tattooed teardrop near their left eye and also supporting a half-tan, half-lime-green do-rag on their upper head and forehead that identify themselves as the feared street gang named after an extra-large large coffee, the Vente Lattes? I have not. I assure you of that. that oh, okay. Good. I appreciate that question. Well, you know, those Vente Lattes were very vicious uh, street gang members. Yeah, anyone yeah, that names themselves after a large coffee, you know, yes. They're tough. They're tough as far as I'm concerned, yeah. They wore, they uh, rode those Vespa motorcycles, Vespas. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. And they probably wore them with uh, double-strap helmets, too. Oh, yes. Yes, double-strap, yes. Okay. All right. Well, it was great talking with you. Good luck on your homework assignment of looking up Martha Reeves and the Vandell's Heat Wave and the, the uh, song Superstar in Tommy Boy. And at this time, I'm turning it back over to Sign Guy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chuchi. Oh, okay. Well, Mr. Horner, one of the things that a lot of wrestlers, I'm sure, struggled with over the last year and change due to the pandemic and not always having access to ring time and so forth is the conditioning. Uh, obviously, conditioning is vital to a professional wrestler. What were some of the ways that you were maintaining proper conditioning uh, during the pandemic uh, when things were shut down for however long they were shut down for you? Sure. So they shut down things March 22nd for us. Um, our gyms, everything shut down then. Uh, so what I did from March 22nd to when they opened our gyms back up, which was, I don't know the exact date, but it was sometime in May. For those two months, I really, really worked on the before for my before and after photos. Because uh, I really wanted to just put my, I just wanted to take the time. It seemed like I didn't know that I'd ever have a time to take. Uh, I'm a very busy person in general, and I didn't know that I'd ever have the opportunity to just sit on my ass, or sorry, sit on my butt for a long time. And uh, so I decided to enjoy it and eat a lot of Reese's peanut butter cups and whatnot. And then as soon as the gyms opened, I was back in the gym uh, with my normal training routine trying to get for my after photo, which I think at this point my after photo is looking pretty good compared to my before photo. So I was really, um, as far as cardio and, and everything is concerned, um, obviously I hit a lot of uh, bicycle, a lot of elliptical, do a lot of stair climbing, and then a lot of burpees. Burpees are my favorite thing to do. I think that's probably the best thing you can do as a pro wrestler to stay in cardiovascular shape. Um, another thing that a lot of wrestlers struggled with not just wrestlers, but people in general, but it really affects wrestlers, is diet. 
I know uh, just because of the way things were, a lot of wrestlers struggled to maintain a proper diet. What in the last few months has your diet been like as you get closer to being able to wrestle a more full schedule? Sure. So during, uh, so I had a lot of injuries, and working out and eating bad was pretty tough for a few months, or for a few years even. And uh, diet has never been my forte as far as all of it is concerned. Uh, so as as I've gotten older and whatnot, uh, we got – I had to start getting smarter. Uh, since January 1, I've really cut into eating right as far as uh, watching my calories and whatnot. The things that I've uh, learned is that as long as you're eating clean, it's it, it, you can eat as much as you want it, compared to just eating a bunch of sugary sweets and all of those things. So I, I would say the biggest thing is not necessarily limiting myself, but not also cutting out a lot of the bad things like candy bars, the um, the sugary sweets, the, a lot of a lot of those things. Cutting those out have helped me out exponentially. I was about two thirty one at the beginning of the year, and I'm about two ten right now. So, and I'm happy with that. If I get any smaller than two ten, I look like a cruiserweight. Now, have you at any point in your career? consciously wrestled as a cruiserweight competitor? No, the closest I've ever gotten uh, was when 205 Live was a big thing. I was an extra talent on a show, and I remember distinctly thinking at that point in time, there's a lot of guys that if you're under 205, because at that point they were still, it was a shoot, you know, like you had to be 205. And uh, I was at 209, and I knew I was looking real lean, and I strongly considered uh, losing those last four pounds, but I was also like, well, I can't wrestle like a 205 live guy. So, therefore, I did not lose any weight. So, no, that's the only consideration I've ever had as a cruiserweight. All right. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have plenty of time if there is anything you would like to say to our listeners, if you want to plug and promote anything and everything, social media, merchandise, upcoming shows, your favorite barbershop, anything at all, floor is all yours. Excellent. All right, so the biggest things that I'd like to promote next Saturday, well, tomorrow night I'm at uh, MAW, Maximum Assault Wrestling Reboot, uh, great show in the Cleveland area. Then the following Saturday is the Fight for Fremont 4. Big, great show. Uh, it's our biggest show of the year. It'll be my last, my actual last wrestling match for LPW. Um, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, I, there's very few tickets left, so you're going to want to get those as soon as possible. Uh, as far as the barber is concerned, I have the greatest barber of all time. If you take a look at my social media page, you can see I'm always freshly cut. That's because of Michael Dayringer. Um, I also want to shout out to Goodwill. Uh, I work for a shoe job for Goodwill in Northwest Ohio. Uh, so every time you donate to a Goodwill, you help people with your, in your community uh, with job training and job placement opportunities. The, the last thing I want to shout out is the greatest fans of all time. That's the posse. If you're a part of the posse, you know what being a part of the posse is. And if you're not part of the posse, look it up, get familiar, at Real Tim Horner Jr., on all the social medias, and you will find out what the posse is. TPID, the posse is dope. Be here next Saturday night. 
Fremont, Ohio. It's going to be a great time. Please, we'll see you soon. Well, Tim Horner, Jr., it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us. I appreciate it very much, and best of luck tomorrow as you step back into the ring, and hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime down the road. Absolutely. Take care, guys. I appreciate your preparation for this show. Uh, You have a great format, enjoyable. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. Our pleasure for sure. Fans, definitely get out there and support Tim Horner, Jr. Great, great talent. So if you know he's on a card near you, go check it out. And we will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We'll be joined by the legendary Solomon Grundy from World Class and CMLL fame. And then one week from this very day, we will be back with you with Hillbilly Joe out of the southeast part of the United States. So make sure you have plans to join us. Continue to be safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. Ah!